0: Now, I'm going to talk to you today about warfare again. Paul the Apostle let us know that there are battles that are physical and there are battles that are spiritual. He said some of you are battling a spiritual enemy and you think it's flesh and blood. You think it's people, but it's not. He said we're battling against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Paul told us, the Bible tells us, there is a realm beyond what we can see that is spiritual and battles are waged there. And all of you this week fought that battle. You fought a temptation. You fought a something in your marriage with your finances. Somewhere in your life with your children. Somewhere in your life, you came up against that invisible enemy. So I'm going to talk to you today about your position. How to position yourself to win. So we're going to read one verse, James 4, verse 7. And I want to, since it's so short, I want us to read it together. It's a great passage. Are you ready? Let's read. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee From you. The idea is in terror from you. How many of you would love the devil coming at you and running in terror? That's what it says. I'm not, I didn't make this up. This is what the Bible says. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. And we pray that you will, Lord, minister to us. We need your help. We need revelation. We need illumination. Lord, we need for this word to go from our heads to our hearts. We need it to build our faith, to become a part of our faith infrastructure. We need to understand this today, Lord. And I'm asking you, speak to us, give us eyes to hear, or see, ears to hear, hearts to understand what this verse is saying to us. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Now will you breathe a prayer, dear church, and just say, Lord, speak to me today. I need your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him this is going to bless you today. Amen. Well, it's good to see you at the 12 o'clock on Labor Day weekend. We've already had several, many people saved today. And so that's just such a blessing to me. I love seeing souls saved. Amen. Now, I'm not an evangelist, but I'm a pastoral evangelist. I'm a pastor who does the work of an evangelist, which is what I'm supposed to do according to the word of God. But, uh, you know, I learned a long time ago, not everybody in church is saved. That's a guarantee. And so I never assume they are, and I am never disappointed. And maybe today, you've got a question mark about your salvation. At the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray with me and get right with God and Leave, save, when you came in lost. Amen? Now, so far in our spiritual warfare series, we have talked about your enemy, what he, who he is, what he wants, how can we defeat him. Then I talked about your weapons, the weapons of your warfare that God has given you are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. ...to the pulling down of supernatural strongholds. So I talked to you about your enemy and about your weapons. Today I want to talk to you about your position. I want to show you that your position, the position you're in spiritually... ...at the moment of a spiritual battle is 80% of your victory. Now I'm going to say that again so you get it. I want us to really understand this. We think, you know, coming at the devil with the word of God and getting aggressive against him rebuking him is 80% of the battle. But it's not. It's 20%. The position you're in before the battle is 80% your victory or your defeat. Now, in all combat training, like if you've ever taken boxing lessons or you've taken martial arts or, or anything that is combat defensive type training, you know that your teacher... Always teaches you how to stand, how to position yourself, how to set your feet, how to, how to plant your feet, how to hold up your hands, your arms. Your, your instructor teaches you position. He wants you in a position where you've got the advantage, where you're going to win. And I'm telling you, position is 80% of it. Cause if, if I'm going up against a boxer in a ring, and I go out there, and here's this brute coming at me, and I face him like this, I'm gone. I'm gone in seconds. Why? Because I'm not positioned. Your position matters more than you know. And guess what? It's the same in spiritual warfare. Most people don't ever stop and think about this, but your position is almost everything. Paul talked about position. He said, he said, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That's position. Having done all, stand. Stand therefore. So the Bible shows you and me, when we've got a spiritual battle going on, the Bible shows us in this spiritual battle, the Bible shows us coming out of it standing. Not defeated down on the mat, but standing. Standing. That's what the Bible shows us. So the the word of God reveals that it's God's will that when we get done with a conflict, when we have fought with the devil, that he's the one down and we're the one standing. Position is everything. And in our text out of James, James 4 verse 7, he is talking about position. He deals first with position Then with action. Position precedes action in James 4, verse 7. You get in the right position, then you're ready for action. So let's deal with first position. James says, therefore, submit to God. So the first position, now this may not make a whole lot of sense. It may seem irrelevant or kind of strange that James would tell us this. But here's the deal. Our position is first, we must be submitted to God. Before a spiritual battle, the position of submission is everything. Are we submitted to God? Now, submit really has two meanings, two, two separate meanings. I'm going to deal with them. The first one is humbling yourself. When the Bible says, submit yourself, therefore, to God, it means Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Now, you know, when I say the word humble, a lot of people equate it immediately with weakness. They say, oh, if I'm humble, I'm, I'm meek. No, I, I'm weak. No, you're not weak. You're strong if you're humble. Because I want you to watch this. Peter says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to who, everybody? Everybody. That was about five of you. Let's try it again. He gives grace to who? Now, I don't know about you, but in a spiritual battle, there's one thing I've got to have. I've got to have the grace of God. And he says, I want you to notice, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Pride is the antithesis of humility. Pride is the opposite. And you cannot be proud and be submitted to God. He says, your position of submission Particularly humility is crucial when you're going into a battle. So he says, God resists the proud, He gives grace to the humble. You remember in science class, I do, when the teacher showed you two magnets and you would, you would take these magnets and if you approach, if you brought the two magnets together and they were aimed a certain way, one magnet would repel the other magnet. But then when you turn the magnet, then suddenly the two magnets would be pulled together. The idea is this. When we're going into a spiritual battle, if we're proud, it repels God from us. It repels God. But when we're walking in humility, God is pulled towards us. It says God gives grace to the humble. One thing you do not need when you're in a spiritual battle against the devil is have God himself resisting you. Oh, I need God's help. I don't need God resisting me. That means to oppose. That means to to be against. That means to push away. I don't want God pushing me away. Now, here's the deal. A lot of times, it, particularly men, I'm a man, so I'm going to talk about men for a second, but particularly men, we get into a situation where we're in a in a battle. We're in a real spiritual fight. Our marriage is in trouble. Our kids are messing up our finances aren't doing well, or we're being bombarded with some kind of a temptation that we know is dangerous to our life. And we men, we don't like to humble ourselves to God. We like to say, well, I'll I'll deal with it myself. I'm a man's man. I'm a tough guy. I'm Clint Eastwood and Arnold Schwarzenegger rolled up in one. And I don't need help. And so I'm going to take care of this myself And when we've got that attitude, God is watching the battle, watching the warfare, but when He sees that pride, it repels Him. Because God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And I need grace. You know why? Because grace is that thing that God imparts that gives me the desire to do, And then the power to do the will of God. See, you're in church today at 12 o'clock. You could be doing anything, but here you are in church at 12 o'clock. What are you doing here on a Sunday morning, on Labor Day weekend, in church at 12 o'clock? I'll tell you what it is. God's grace is working on you, and he has given you a desire to do the will of God. A desire to seek him. A desire to draw near to him. A desire for him. That's the work of grace. And it also gives me the power to do God's will. The power. I pray every week. I say, oh God, I know there's going to be people there Sunday who don't know you, who are far away from you. And Lord, they will never, never, never come to you if your grace is not extended and does not touch their heart and does not extend resurrection power and give them the ability to respond to your call. Jesus said, nobody comes to me except the father draws him. So I say, oh, God, have mercy this Sunday and draw people. And every single Sunday we see people supernaturally touched by amazing, crazy, as we sang, reckless, the reckless love, the reckless grace of God, the grace of God. Without which we would never come to him, never love him, never worship him, never seek him. But because of his grace. And guess what? We would never win against the devil apart from the grace of God extended in the battle. So the position of submission is first to humble yourself before God. It means you're saying, Lord, I can't win this battle without you. This is a bigger enemy than me. This this thing is bigger than me, stronger than me, it's overwhelming me. Lord, I cannot win this by myself. When you say that, you are humbling yourself. It says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Not your own willpower, not your own strength, but be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. In the Old Testament, I talked about King Jehoshaphat last week, but I'm going to take a different angle today. King Jehoshaphat was told that a giant army, an impossibly large army, was headed towards them. And this army was going to destroy Jerusalem, destroy Judah, take him captive. And King Jehoshaphat immediately positioned himself wisely. He positioned himself for warfare. This is a physical illustration of a spiritual truth. The Bible says he humbled himself before God. And he prayed a great prayer. I love this prayer. It's so full of humility. And we need to pray it ourselves all the time. He said, oh, our God, we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Listen to the humble statements. We're powerless without you, Lord. That's humility. Humility. We don't even know what to do, where to turn. We don't have the wherewithal to deal with this. That's humility. Our dependence is on you, Lord. We're looking to you. You're our only answer. That's humility. And in response to his humility, God said to him, I love this. Look at how the two magnets now are attracting because he has humbled himself before God. Look what God says. He says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Whoa, really? I've got a giant army coming against me. God said, you're not going to need to fight in this battle. And listen to these next two words. Position yourselves. Everybody say position matters. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He will show to you today. Now, God said position yourselves. And I want you to notice how they continued To position themselves by submitting to God in humility. Look at what happened next. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Oh, how I wish. Just for ten minutes, America would do that. I want to change the verse a little bit and dream a little dream. And America bowed its head with its face to the ground. And all the American citizens, all of the inhabitants of the USA, bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. I'm going to tell you, if that happened, hell would have a heart attack and grace would fall. Amen. Amen. Grace would fall. But notice notice the verbiage here. Notice the position they took. Bowed head. Humility. Face to the ground. Humility. All of the citizens of the kingdom bowed before the Lord. And this made them candidates for the grace of God to be extended in their battle. You're in a battle today in your home, in your mind, in your soul. And I want to ask you, have you bowed before the Lord? Have you said, isn't it funny how we'll go through, we'll try everything in the world. And then finally we'll say, well, I guess I'm just going to have to pray. Like that's something, like that's the the least of the least. That's what we ought to have done first. First thing you do when you're in a battle, you bow yourself before the Lord. You humble yourself before God. And you say, Lord, I need your grace. I need your mercy. I can't win this battle alone. And God says, grace is on the way. The position of submission is what James told us to take. Amen. The Bible says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now I'm going to give you a statement. I don't want you to forget it. This is a refrigerator sticker. I don't want you to forget it. This is a keeper. Here's, here's the statement. You can't win a battle with God's help when you're not submitted to the God whose help you want. Now I'm going to say that again because that's good stuff. That's a keeper. Listen, you can't win a battle with God's help when you're not submitted to the God whose help you want. You can't be living in the world and living in sin and, and getting out there uh, in the midst of things that you know are not right. And then say, God, help me. God says, help what? The only thing I'm telling you to do is repent. I, it's, when we, it's when we submit to God and humble ourselves before the Lord that we get the help of God by grace. And that leads me to the second part. And that is keep a clear conscience. In warfare, you must keep a clear conscience. Now, I don't expect everybody to jump up and shout, shout me down. But I told the, the two services before this one, I told them I didn't come today to tickle your ear. I didn't I didn't come to tickle your ear and make you make you jump up and shout. and scream. I could right now I could shift into another gear and I could have you standing on your feet and jumping up and down and twirling and shouting and having a great old time. But then see, you're going to land and I want to be sure you land right. So I'm not here to tickle your ear. I'm here to give you truth. Because it's truth we need. I don't need my ear tickled. I need my ear to hear the truth. And here is the truth. You can't win a battle against the devil if you've got a sullied conscience. Paul wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy, about this very thing. And look at what he said. He said, this charge I commit to you, Timothy according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may, read the next part with me, wage the good warfare. So what's he talking about here? He's talking about spiritual war. He's talking about spiritual conflict. He's not talking about physical hand-to-hand combat. He's talking about fighting the devil. And he says, I'm giving you a charge, Timothy, instructions, so that you will be able to fight a good fight and you won't be defeated. What is the charge that Paul said would help Timothy wage a good warfare? It's in verse 19. It's next. Look what he said. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked, and we've all seen them. A few years ago, they were in church with their hands raised, worshiping God, loving the Lord, and they got out there and they began to dabble in sin And they sullied their conscience. And instead of repenting, they just kept on doing it until they didn't feel conviction anymore. And then before you know it, you hear that they're not in church. They're not worshiping the Lord. They may even be saying they're not a Christian anymore. And you wonder, what in the world happened to them? What happened to them is they lost the battle by allowing their conscience to become sullied. And then dulled and then seared. You can't fight the devil with a sullied conscience. Right after James tells them in James 4, verse 7, to submit to God and resist the devil, in the very next verse, listen to what he says. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And he's not talking to the world there. He's talking to Christians. He's saying, cleanse your hands, Christians. Purify your hearts, Christians. And draw near to God. Now listen to this, get close to God, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. All those things have to do with keeping a clear conscience. See folks, without a clear conscience, the devil has an open door to us. To condemn us and accuse us and beat us over the head with our failures. So I I say always, keep short accounts with God. You should never give a sin any more than a 24 hour shelf life. Get get your sin under the blood quick. Now, I know that most of you in here have sinned at least once since the new year. You've said something. You've thought something. You've done something. Or you've copped an attitude somewhere along the way. I-35 is testing me like you cannot believe. See, I live 20 miles way on the other side of the construction. Now, I know I talk about this a lot, but, 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 but I'm, I'm fighting an attitude with this thing. There's days I have talks with those construction workers in my mind. What is taking you so long? How could it take so long to build a highway? And then, and then my GPS even fails me in that construction work. Cause even my GPS doesn't know where to go with all this construction. It's a woman that talks to me out of my GPS with a British accent. And she says, turn here. And I turn here and realize I should have turned there. And I fire her when I find myself in an empty parking lot somewhere. And I'm nowhere where i meant to go. And I have to fight an attitude. But listen, I believe I repent all the time. I repent daily. Because I have found that when I go to the Holy Ghost and I say, Lord, am I totally submitted to you? Is there any area of my life that is not submitted to you where or, or my conscience is a little bit sullied? And the Holy Ghost is careful to pinpoint a little bit here, a little thing there, something I said here, something I did there. He'll say, you need to get that under the blood. And I do because, listen, I want a totally clear conscience because a clear conscience gives you boldness before God. says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find the grace to help us in the hour of need. But see, you won't come boldly to God... If your conscience isn't clear so i need a clear conscience because i need to win how many of you need to win come on how many of you need to win the battle you got to keep a clear conscience once there was a little boy visiting his grandparents on their farm he was given a slingshot to play with out in the woods And as he began to practice with a slingshot, he realized he was not good with a slingshot at all. He could not hit his target. So he got a little bit discouraged, and he headed back home for dinner. And as he's walking back to Grandma's house, he sees Grandma's pet duck. Just out of impulse, he pulls back the slingshot, and he lets it fly. And to his shock and dismay, he hits the duck right in the head and kills it. In a panic. He hid the dead duck in a wood pile only to see his sister watching. Sally had seen it all, but she didn't say anything yet. After lunch the next day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. And Sally smiled and she said, Grandma, Johnny told me he wanted to help in the kitchen. And she leaned over to Johnny and whispered, remember the duck? Johnny said, oh, no, busted. And he did the dishes. Later that day, Grandpa asked if the children wanted to go fishing. And Grandma said, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help me make supper. Sally grinned again. She said, well, that's all right, because Johnny told me he wants to learn to cook. She whispered again, remember the duck? Sally went fishing. Johnny stayed to help. After several days of Johnny doing both his chores and Sally's. He finally couldn't stand it anymore and he went to his grandmother and confessed that he had killed her pet duck. Grandma knelt down, gave him a hug, said, sweetheart, I know. You see, I was standing at the window and I saw the whole thing. But because I love you, I forgave you. I was just wondering how long you were going to let Sally make a slave of you. Now listen, whatever is in your past, lying, cheating, debt, fear, bad habits, hatred, anger, bitterness, whatever it is, you need to know that God was standing at the window and God saw everything you did. He sees your whole life. That's why Jesus died on the cross for you. He died on the cross because God saw everything we did. There is nothing hidden from the eyes of God. And he wants you to know that he loves you and that you are forgiven. As soon as you say, God, forgive me. He's just wondering how long you're going to let the devil make a slave of you. There's people not in church today because they woke up and the devil spoke to them. Remember the duck? Remember what you did this week, last night, week before, a month ago? Who are you to go to church Who are you to claim to be a Christian? And he beats you over the head. And that is the, that is the danger of a sullied conscience. Because when your conscience is not clear, if you don't keep short accounts with God, then the enemy comes in with condemnation and accusation and you can't defeat him when he's got an edge on you. And so we've got to keep a clear, Conscience. Now, here's what James is telling us. He says, and and by the way, you want to know how important a clear conscience is? Here's what Paul said. He said, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. I want my conscience clear vertically, and I want my conscience clear horizontally. If I've offended somebody, I want to make it right if I can possibly make it right. Paul said, as much as lies within you, make it right with other people. As much as lies within you. Some people are just ornery. And they don't want to make it right. But if you try, you're clear. And then vertically. Oh God, there's this thing. There's this duck. God forgive me. And I ask you to wash me and cleanse me. And as soon as you do. Your boldness is restored. Because now you're confident. That in a battle. God is with you. And for you. So the position of submission is humble yourself before God. God, I can't do this without you. I can't win without you. I need you. Humble yourself before God. And then, Lord, forgive me for anything between you and me or me and somebody else. And that is the position of submission that positions you for battle. Boy, I'll tell you, I'm getting this CD. This is a good word. This is a good word. See, and I hope you don't just hear it and go out and say, well, he really sweated up there. And I do sweat. I change shirts between every service. I work up here. But it's Emmanuel labor. Amen. <laughs> People you say, oh, I'm, I'm in Emmanuel labor. Not me. I'm in Emmanuel labor. And you know what, even if you're in manual labor, not to digress and chase a rabbit, but let me just chase a quick rabbit. If you're in man whatever you do for a job, it's Emmanuel labor if you're a believer. You're there as God's representative. So, the position of submission is the position to win. I'm humble before God, and my conscience is clear. Then James says, now, now you're positioned to resist the devil. Position precedes action. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The word resist is strong. It means to take a complete stand against. I am totally opposed to you, Mr. Devil. To thoroughly oppose. Hold your ground. Refuse to be moved. This is where Paul's words come in. Having done all, stand. Stand therefore. My feet are planted. In the right position. My arms are up. I am not vulnerable. I'm in a position to win. That's 80% of it. Now you resist the devil. There's not one thing you've got that I want. There's not one thing you can give me that I desire. I thoroughly, totally, completely, consummately oppose you. You are anathema to me. You are the antithesis of anything I value. I do not want anything to do with you. The Apostle Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil. Notice he said, your adversary. Walks around like a roaring lion, looking for somebody he may devour, literally eat alive. Then he said, resist him. Same word, resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Now you're in a position to do it. People who have studied lions in the wild will tell you, never turn your back and run from a charging lion. Lions are accustomed to their victims fleeing, but standing firm and facing them bewilders and confuses them. Please don't try this on your own. (laughs) I don't want to get somebody riding me saying, well, me and my husband went on an African safari after we heard you that Sunday, and he went out there and faced a lion, and we can't find him. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. Just go with me for the illustration's sake. This is what people say, that if you face them, they become confused and bewildered because you're not running. Did you know there's not one piece of the armor of God that is for your back? God never sees you running from the lion. He says, flee fornication, but resist the devil. So he says, resist the devil, and he will turn and flee from you. Not maybe, not might, not most of the time, not some of the time. If you're positioned right, and you come at him now with the word of God, he will, in terror, run from you. That's what it says. So I want you to stand with me today, would you? And let's say together all at once. Are you ready? Say with me, stand your ground in humility toward God. Stand your ground with a clear conscience. Stand your ground steadfast in the faith. And the devil will flee from me. He will. He'll leave you alone. He'll go look for somebody who doesn't know what you know. Who wasn't at TPC today. Who doesn't understand the Bible. But you do. Let's just lift our hands to the Savior of the world. Lord Jesus. How good you are. How gracious you are. You not only gave us the weapons of our warfare, but you gave us the position to win now I don't know what you're fighting today but I want you to take a minute and just think is there anything between me and God that is a conscience issue that I can just say today Lord forgive me and get my conscience clear so I can fight a good fight Is there any area in your life where you're not submitted to God? What a great moment to just say, Lord, I submit to you. Maybe you haven't cried out to God for help. Humbling yourself. Saying, God, help me. This habit. This relationship. This temptation. It's bigger than me. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are turned to you in dependence. Jesus. I said, the Holy Spirit so strong here today. He's here. He's telling you that he loves you. He's telling you that he's not condemning you, but he's just calling you. To get into a position to win. He hates it when he sees you being beat up by the accuser. He hates it. And he doesn't want you going through that. He wants to see you as his child. Stand up. And resist the devil from a position of strength. And make him flee. Father, help us to do what we've heard. Now, with your heads bowed, you might say, Well, Jeff, you know, I'm not even sure I'm saved. You know, you talk about all this warfare stuff and having victory over the devil. I'm not even sure. I've got a question mark, I'm confused. Sometimes I wonder if I'm saved, if I'm born again. Had a man come to me in the altar and he just said, you know, I always thought that I was, but I've just been so confused lately. I need to be sure I'm saved. Maybe that's you. But the most important prayer you can ever pray is the prayer to come to Jesus. And get right with God. So I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer right now. And I want you to pray this with me. If you need to be sure of your salvation or you know you're not saved and you want to come to Jesus, pray this with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me my sin. I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. I place faith in you to be my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord, today. In Jesus' name, amen.